This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Frank Proctor here on this cloudy and uh, getting to feel a little colder Saturday morning. Huh? Hi, Charlie. Good morning, Frank. How are you? Well, not bad. Thank you very much. Uh, I have one of those silly nights where uh, I don't know if a lot of folks out there listening in have wild dreams. I mean, I guess crazy. it depends how wild you're talking well, <laughs> about. <laughs> don't go there. No, no, no. But it was just, I and, and I remember them. Explicitly. Yes, you were telling so, us some yeah. of them before we went on air. But, you know, it might just be partly the change of the season and, you know, things are, or, your brain is. Or the mm. excitement of the success I'm having with the flower that you gave oh, me. Oh, good point, yes. I brought in some pictures of my what? Medanilla. Medanilla. And it's coming along. Yes, you are doing a fine job. Thank and I you. I brought you some fertilizer. That's <laughs> Boy, are you good at passing out the fertilizer. Anyway, <laughs> here we are. You in the wanted to say that. You've been waiting to say that. Darn right yeah. it. <laughs> let's, let's get the phone numbers on the air. Let folks get uh, through on the lines to talk to Charlie Dobbin here on The Garden Show from AM740 in Toronto. The uh, first number you want to call is 416-360-0740. Then toll free anywhere in the province, one 866 740-4740. Pretty right. simple. Yes, indeed. Thank and you very much. And as usual, you have a raft of notes there. As you always say. As is my want. As is your want. Yes, indeed. All righty. Get out your calendars and start scribbling in all these events because there's lots going on. Oh, good. All right. So Tuesday, October the 7th at 7 p.m., I will be presenting uh, to the Pine Ridge Garden Club... The subject is gardening in a changing climate. So that's 7 p.m. for the Pine Ridge Garden Club, and they meet at the Nesselton Hall, which is 3971 Highway 7A in Nesselton. And will you be wearing your tiara? And you'll be there. Actually, you're going to carry me in, aren't you? Oh! Isn't that the way it works? Uh, well, I'd be glad to roll out the red rug. You know, there the you carpet, go. But... You could do that, yeah. Because <laughs> well, we, I could keep you busy. Because the next day, Wednesday, October the 8th, I'm on the other side of the city at the Credit Valley Horticultural Society's 30th anniversary. Uh, my topic, again, will be gardening better in a changing climate. And we'll be meeting at the South Common Community Centre, 2233 South Millway in the Arbor Green Room. That's at 7.30 p.m. on Wednesday this coming week. Hmm. All right. Also on Wednesday, the Burlington Hort Society will be holding a general meeting. They meet at 7.30 at the Burlington Senior Center, 
2285 New Street at Drury Lane. The speaker is Wolf Bonham. He's speaking on the gardens of Mexico. Wolf Bonham is a great guy. I know love that name, Wolf. Yeah. And you know what his lands – I think I've told you this before. He has a landscaping business. He works out of the Waterloo area. Mm-hmm. His company is called Peace, Love and Landscaping. Oh, wow. That's mm-hmm. pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Yeah. And his, his location is where his office is. It's on pe- – it's whatever number, Penny Lane. Oh, he's he's really cool. Na, 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 he's a cool na, na, na. guy. Oh, yeah. So Wolf Bonham, the Gardens of Mexico. Of course, there will be great refreshments, uh, social time, and it, it you know everyone is welcome yeah. to any of these events. There's no admission, no cost, no cost well, and like I say, great refreshments at all of them. So, <clears throat> Hort societies typically have great homemade goodies. Um, now coming up, this is pretty exciting for next weekend. Hopefully the weather will be with everybody. Um, the Royal Botanical Gardens is hosting the Harvest Moon Feast and Garden Party next Saturday from 6 until 10 p.m. So, of course, the idea is to see the moon, the Harvest Moon. There will be a special feast inspired by local ingredients, many of which were grown in the Royal Botanical Gardens' very own Veggie Village. Uh, music and dancing under the light of the moon makes for a perfect evening to celebrate the bounty of the garden together. So for more information, of course, royalbotanicalgarden.ca. Okay. All right. Just a quick uh, – want to let you know that, of course, we're at that time of year. You know, this might connect to your wild dreams. Change. Change is mm-hmm. in the air. It's seasonal yep. change. And, of course, for sports fans, there's new seasons launching. We've got the hockey season starting. We've got basketball season starting. You know, imminently the football's happening. Yeah, of course, yeah. the, the World Series is just right there yep. on next – soon, coming soon to a TV near you. But for those of you who prefer gardening as your competitive choice, we have a special report today all the way from Nagasaki, Japan. No kidding. Yep. The Gardening World Cup. It's a huge show. takes place in a resort. And the resort is actually a replica of a Dutch village, complete with a palace. uh, And there's show gardens and display gardens and... uh, it's all happening right now. The judges judged in the last 12 hours, and we have a special uh, correspondence joining us by Skype later in the show to give us an update on what's going on at the show. Uh, there are two designers on site in Nagasaki from Toronto, and our intrepid traveling correspondent, Lorraine, Lorraine Flanagan, is with them. So the three of them will be joining us a little bit later. Wow. And we'll get an update on the World Cup of and Gardening. The, and the winners of various The various categories. awards and medals. Yeah. And, of course, the, the gentlemen that run B-Square Design, who are there, are hoping that they've won, come up with some, some oh, gold medals. Oh, that's marvelous. You're right about the things <clears throat> happening this time of year. Uh, just uh, before I left from home, I uh, found out that Milos Ranich uh, is in Japan mm-hmm. and is now advanced to the finals. Oh, cool. In tennis. So, there you go. Yeah. See, there's yeah. lots going on in the sports world and the gardening world. Indeed. And we're going to be back to our callers here at AM740, Zoomer Radio, right after these words. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, turning things over momentarily to Charlie. You know, it's always nice at a business when the boss welcomes a new employee. Mm-hmm. And you can welcome someone I to our did production say, studio. Yes, exactly. Welcome again to Justin, who's back Behind the board, trained for a mere five minutes, I think, last week, and is now completely in charge, so clearly a clever guy. Well, knowing James Dooley, that may be a good thing. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, I think it speaks to James' incredible ability to teach. Ah, there you go. Right. Oh, look it. Yeah. Look, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let me get my shovel. Okay. <laughs> All righty. Let's uh, get to those lines. We better, yes. yes. Uh, Ingus is calling in from Scarborough. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Charlie and Frank. Uh, it's about roses. Mm-hmm. I would like to ask, <clears throat> after the first frost, I cut the uh, roses knee-high, the hybrid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also covered the root right away with uh, soil and mulch, or um, both of them. Okay, so th- these are great questions. And I would... do I also, at the same time, uh, cover the tap with, uh, foam, with a foam head or anything else? Okay, so you're in Scarborough. Uh, I, I personally would not do the top, any covering at all, no foam, no, no anything. However, the cutting it down and hilling the rose is okay. important. But don't do it right after just the first frost. You want to wait until the soil has cooled down sufficiently that the plant is truly dormant. So the first frost means that the air has gotten cool, but the soil holds the heat for weeks after that. I try to hold off um, from any cutting or hilling of the roses till at least the end of November, potentially even December. Uh, I, I just you want to wait till it's a really ugly day. You want it to be cold and snowing and windy and several frosts will have happened at that point and then you cover your roses, you know, cut them down and cover them. All right. Uh, thank you very much. Also, I wanted to ask, like last year, I usually, um, before always, I used to cover them with a foam head. Uh-huh. But last year, I covered them with a mesh head uh-huh. and I guess the ice and the cold of Frost came through, and I lost uh, four hybrid roses that were shrunk. Yes, and that's exactly why I recommend you do not use any of those covers, whether it's a styrofoam or mesh or any any of those little huts to put over top of a rose can be very tricky to have it work properly. You can trap cold air inside there and end up killing the roses or trap too much warm air and kill the roses because of mildew that starts to grow inside. So you're better to just wait wait for the cold weather till we're truly dormant, hill, hill them, cut them, and say goodnight to them. All at the same time at when it's really, really cold in yep. November or December. Yep, yep, exactly. Oh, I just want to make sure about it that I don't want to uh, uh, lose some roses again. No, yep. no. So sure. wait until they're truly dormant. And like I said, it's going to be a number of weeks. It could be as late as... I have been known to wait until even after Christmas because it's been oh so mild. You know, it's just based on the kind of temperatures we have. Right now, it is still way too early to even think about cutting or doing, you know, any pruning of the roses. Yeah. So, thank you very much, Angus, for the first call of the uh, morning here. Uh, and... Uh, well, hopefully that, that advice will be uh, also, followed. I'm sorry. Y- yes. Hello? I wonder, uh, ask, ask, uh, do I cover them with soil? Uh, you know, Ingus, you know what? You know what, darling? Only soil or the only marsh or what? We, I'm sorry. We have to kind of hold that uh, conversation okay. until later. Yeah. The uh, question is what kind of soil? It's just garden soil. Right. Or topsoil. Okay. Uh, uh, maybe I better go over that one little rule that I hadn't gone over. <laughs> uh, <laughs> call early, call often. One question per call, okay? Yeah, we've got kind people of waiting. The rest of the folks. Like Elaine, yeah. who, and I shall put in my, my great little Irish leprechaun voice here because, ah, darling, she's going to be talking about shamrocks. Hello there, Elaine. Well, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Good. Um, I'm just wondering how I can overwinter my shamrocks. 
Well, there's two. In pots. Yeah, there's two ways you can overwinter them. Uh, shamrocks grow from little tiny bulbs. Right, you have a little right there. Right yeah, there. and yeah, so you have two options. One is you can keep them growing. Don't allow any kind of dormancy by bringing them inside into our heated, warm homes, and they will not go dormant, and they will just be a houseplant all winter. Option two is allow them to stay outside so that they'll experience the shorter days, the cooler nights, and the plants will eventually become dormant. And then you can take that pot with those bulbs inside as long as, you know, now the foliage has all died down. uh, And then that pot will go somewhere cool and dark for the winter. Let me leave them out until it freezes? Yes, you'll have to have at least one frost in order to sort of all the foliage will drop. Okay, and then just bring the pots in like that? Yes, in, but into a dark, cool location to keep them dormant. Okay. Okay. That's great. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Great, Elaine. Thanks for joining us here at AM740 Zoomer Radio. We do have to take a little bit of a break at the moment, and then we'll come back and go on a little trip. We'll bounce along to Burlington and say hi to Audrey right after these words. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And uh, Frank Proctor here along with Charlie. And, uh, boy, you talk about Burlington a lot with the Burlington Hort Society. I know, they're a very active group. I wonder if Audrey might be a member. She's on the line with us right now. Hi, Audrey. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, go ahead. I I need some information how to uh, keep uh, Mandeville over the winter. Okay, so is it outside right now? It is, yeah. Okay, so you're going to want to bring that in today because it's going to get pretty chilly tonight. Yeah. Um, now, is that is it a big how is it a big huge plant or is it? It's quite big and it's climbing up a wrought iron. Mm. And uh, I just hate to leave it there. I wouldn't want to keep it. Well, it's going to die if you leave it outside. So you're going to have to either bring in the wrought iron with the plant or cut it down or untwine it from the wrought iron. They are a vining twining plant. Can I cut it down? Yep. You probably, that would be your easiest thing to do. You're going to want to give it a soap and water wash. Uh-huh. Spray it off. You don't want to bring in spiders and and little pesty bugs with you when you come in. So What's you, a good wash? Well, soap, not oh. detergent, but actual soap and water. Uh, and if you know, in the best case, you want to actually immerse the entire plant yeah. into soap and water, and then let it drain, and of course, wash off all that soap, clean, you know, cleanse that away, yeah. and uh, let that drain away, and then bring it in the house. If it's too big for that, you can spray it, spritz it with soap and water, again, letting the, you know, driving away the bugs and washing, cleaning off all that soap afterwards. You don't want to leave the soap on. Uh-huh. Then you're going to bring it into the house. You need a sunny window. Do you have a southern or western? Um, we have like a, a sunroom. A big, I'm in a retirement home. Mm-hmm. We have a big uh, sunroom. Perfect. So your big sunroom probably gets a lot of sun, and that's exactly what the Mandevilla wants. That's what I thought. Yeah, so it's really just the biggest job right now is to cut it down, make it so that it's transportable and it's clean, get it into the nice sunny sunroom, right into the window, right as much light as you possibly can. And you're going to see that some leaves are going to turn yellow over the next month or two. That's very natural and normal. The leaves have grown outside in a lot of sun. Now you're bringing it in where there's less sun. Those leaves are going to drop. New leaves are going to grow. You are not going to fertilize, and you are only going to water when the plant is dry. Oh, because very the, good. Because the water requirements are less in the winter because the growth is less in the winter. Right. 
Well, I had it given to me by my daughter's girlfriend, mm-hmm. and it's been beautiful. Everybody admires it. Yeah, oh, big blue, uh, pink blooms. Yeah, oh, they're gorgeous. And if it's been happy all summer, definitely oh, yeah. don't lose it. Do what you can to save it. Okay, and how far can I cut it down? Um, we never, if, if for the, your purposes right now, I, I wouldn't do a mega cutting down. You're just going to cut it down so that you can move it. Uh, yeah. You can do a, a hard pruning in the spring, you uh-huh. know, in, in March. Yeah. But between now and March, you're going to cut as little as possible. Mm-hmm. Just cut what you have to cut. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Good luck with that. Yeah, that, thank that, you. Thank you very much. That move Thanks. into that sunroom sounds like the perfect thing. To Thanks do. for your call. Exactly. It's great to have a sunroom. Yeah, this is the Garden Show from AM740. Charlie Dobbin, our master gardener, here to um, talk to Rosemarie and Mrs. Saga with a weird Oh, no, problem, I read huh? it. So it's cute. Justin wrote plastic, but it says plastic flower pots. I read plastic flowers being eaten oh, up no. by something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Excellent. Plastic flower pots being Yee, eaten up by, by something. something. Good Anxious morning, to hear about this. Rosemary. Hey, Rosemary. Good morning. Okay, what's going on at your place? Okay. We have in our garden flower pots that are plastic. Mm-hmm. They're being eaten up by something. We can't see what it is. And they're big holes, like not just little ones. The plant doesn't seem to be affected, mm-hmm. but the flower pots just almost disappear. Wow. Plastic man coming by for lunch. The bottom up, like on the side. <laughs> Uh-huh. And the holes are getting bigger. Like you can check it every day, and it's a little bit bigger. We don't see any snails or anything that could eat it. Yeah, we are we are baffled. Okay, that is baffling. Are these okay? So the the pots are obviously sitting on the ground. Yes. And tell me a bit about the pots. Are they the green plastic or are they yeah, black? Green and, uh, and the green ones and the brown ones. Is it possible that you have pots that are not actually plastic? That are some of those fancy, made out of cornstarch. They seem like they're plastic, but they're actually designed to be biodegradable. Is I that? No, I don't think so. No? Yep, they're strictly plastic. Yeah, for sure, for sure. They're right? the green plastic pots, yeah. Yeah, the shiny green. Yeah. The kind of dark green. Yeah. So holes appear in the sides. and Holes then... appear on the side, and, but it doesn't affect the plant. The plant doesn't die or anything. It's just the, 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 the pots are being eaten away. My husband tried to put, uh, like, masking tape around, like, um, double-sided tape, but it gets eaten up, too. I have no idea. You know what? You, you have stumped me. You, you <laughs> win the prize for the oddest problem I think we've ever been handed here. Well, you know what? I figured I can ask uh, Charlie Darwin because I met her at the Street Soil Horticultural Society, I, and you know everything. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that's what she tells me, too. <laughs> you know everything, and... Um, you know, everybody has a funny bone over yeah. there, too, that I like. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so that's a really good question, because I have never seen plastic chewed by anything. I'm just trying to think. who Like, there's no known mammal or bug, and certainly snails wouldn't eat plastic if, you know, you yeah. gave it to them on a silver platter. They would eat the silver platter first. Yeah. No, um, they wouldn't eat plastic. So that's a real... I, I'm... That's my only thought is that they are not truly plastic, that they're biodegradable. So, yeah. so, but bottom line is what plants are in these pots? Are they annual flowers or vegetables or? Tropical plants. Tropicals. Yeah. Oh, so there's your challenge. So you need to get those repotted into proper pots and into the house. Yeah, because they're today. now outside, like we have a solarium. So we bring all those plants in. But now we are afraid to bring it in in case we are bringing something into the house that's going to destroy the rest of the plants that 
that are in the solarium. Well, not just that, but you don't want to bring pots in that have holes in them because the right. plants won't be happy. And so no, you're going to actually have to get out there today and get yourself some new replacement pots. And should we get like the plastic pots? Because some of the plants do better in plastic pots yeah. than in... in um, the, and the other part. Yeah. Well, for most people, plastic pots are the best for a couple of reasons. One is they're very affordable. They're lightweight when it yeah. comes to moving plants around. And number two, the, the plants that want a fairly moist environment are happier in a plastic pot. Right. It's when, when we're growing things like cactuses and, or cacti and succulents, that's when we really, really want to use clay pots and po- pots that are everything. yeah porous. Yeah. So I would, uh, you know, go to your local whoever, you know, Home Depot or, or garden center and pick up uh, a plastic again. But, um, yeah, maybe next year before you go outside with them, you want to get some ceramic over pots or something so that the, you won't actually have the plastic sitting in contact with the soil. You'll uh, have, say, some ceramic it's or... Gonna get Get into the poor house. You don't know how many plants we have. Oh, really? Okay. Like we have <laughs> the poor house, a, a solarium that is 14 by 10 that is so jam packed during the winter that you can't even move. Oh, wow. That's wow. great. Surrounded <laughs> by flowers. Oh, my gosh. You've got a full time job looking after plants. It's, yeah. Okay, well, you know what? That's a really, and if you can take some pictures of those plastic pots being eaten, I'd love to see a photograph. Okay, I can email it to you then. Yeah, okay, great. Thanks, Rosemary. Yeah. Thank you so much for okay. my Great question. question. <laughs> we'll give out Charlie's email toward the end of the show, folks, but we are running up against the clock here at 930. I want to say to Ross and Sylvia, who are waiting online, please just hang in there. We have some special guests who will be uh, contacting, I would think, uh, very shortly. How's that going? Are these folks ready to go? Oh. We're ready to go. All right, okay. well, let's just do a quick introduction then because we have oh we have a little bit of a break here do we okay first to our break daffodils and daisies bluebells and begonias forsythia and foxgloves marigolds magnolia lavender and lupins dahlias delphiniums stalks fox hollyhocks tulips and sweet williams you picked the right place for everything floral this is the garden show with charlie dobbin exclusively on zoomer radio am 740 and uh, Charlie, along with yours truly, Frank Proctor, saying arigato to uh, Lorraine Flanagan. How do you know that? that kind of stuff? We, <laughs> I just want to tell everybody what's going on here. For the first time for us, we have guests joining us all the way from Japan via Skype. So we may not have the best connection in the world, but today we're being joined by Robert Boltman and Alex Bartman. They're the principals of B-Square Design, a landscape design company, a couple of young landscape architects. And they're with Lorraine Flanagan, who, of course, is our traveling correspondent. And they are right now at the Gardening World Cup just outside Nagasaki in Japan. Hello, everybody. Konnichiwa. Oh, konnichiwa. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Did I get oragato right or no? I don't know what that means. <laughs> I thought it meant hello. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so what's going on? What time is it there? It is about uh, 10.30 on Saturday night, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Okay, and who's there? Have you got Robert and Alex? Robert and Alex are here, and we have a silent partner, Jonathan from the UK, who is um, a photojournalist. Excellent. Oh, I say, good morning, Jonathan. 
Good morning. <laughs> all right. So we're all here. <laughs> okay. Now, we are. We are. We're here. So, okay. So I'm on the edge of my seat here. I know the judges did the judging, and I want to know what's the upshot. Who won what? Who, who, who? Okay, our boys, Alex and Robert, won a silver medal for their um, display garden called Home. So that was really, really great news for all of us. All right, yes. we're all in the studio cheering. Excellent. Great stuff. <laughs> and let me tell you, they were up against some really a tough um, competition. The quality of gardens here is amazing. There are designers from all over the world, from the UK, from uh, South Africa, from the Netherlands, from Morocco, Morocco just you name it almost. And uh, yeah, France, Italy. Um, and these are top-notch designers. So uh, really kudos to, uh, yeah. to B-Square Design for sure. So tell us a little bit about the garden. Maybe Robert or Alex should tell us just a brief, uh, tell us a little bit about what's special about the home garden. Um, hi, Charlie. Hey, it's Robert. Robert. Hi. Um, well, we, we came up with uh, the idea of home um, just to establish a little bit about uh, that ties back to the theme Floral Paradise. And um, that uh, paradise uh, had different meanings um, uh, looking back in history. And we wanted to... Um, uh, install something that was architecturally cool looking and uh, also um, I guess uh, talked about how when you leave home and the experiences uh, aren't always what you uh, had envisioned or imagined and um, you always miss the the balance and the solitude of home and so we um, we've got uh, some different features within the garden uh, to help define those um, to find that that uh, that theme. So what? Like what? You mean like your like the Canadian home that you know? Is that what you mean when you like? What have you got in there uh, that's special? No, really, just the just uh, we didn't want to generalize it to Canada or any particular place. So mm -hmm. it's 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 a structural uh, feature mm -hmm. that um, just it was post and beam uh, uh -huh. made out of wood and that was colored uh, painted white. Um, we've got calm water inside the um, uh, falling from the structure down behind um, a very low deck and uh, then water would fall underneath and then crash down into a trench uh, or a lowered walkway mm. uh, within the garden that was all made out of um, uh, natural stone and um, so basically the calm waters inside the house and the rough waters are outside nice I it like sounds that. it sounds robert very peaceful uh, and calm i can in my mind i'm picturing someone uh, you're cutting that little, what do they call the little Japanese trees? The, the bonsai. Bonsai tree uh, to bring on uh, a form of serenity. Fair enough, but tomorrow there's a typhoon coming, so we just have to go back tonight and uh, tie up our little garden. You have so, no idea how hard I worked to set that up, and then you come in and crash in with a typhoon. Well, our theme it was about balance, right? So you were okay. on one side of it, and on the other. But uh, hopefully the typhoon will pass, because it is a show garden, so it's not really as permanent as it, it could be. Are and these... maybe tomorrow... Yeah, and these gardens are outside, right? Yeah, they are. Yeah, that's the great thing is that because you're outside, you can actually do what everybody does in a garden, which is dig. Right. So we've done a couple of shows in Singapore, and that was inside a large uh, convention center, mm -hmm. and you restrict it. Everything is, is flat, 
and you're inside of a building. So this was great because we could we dug down I think at least five feet to create this uh, walled uh, trench or walkway, and um, that had the nice effect of making the structure seem that much larger, just because you could open up at least five feet in front of it and on both sides. So we were able to put a lot into a very small space just because we were outside and had the ability to mold the uh, terrain as as much as we wanted. Okay, so Alex, that begs the question, what's the size of this garden? Well, we have to go to metric. So it's uh, (laughs) 1,000 square meters. So I think our plot is 100 square meters. 100 square meters. Yeah, and a meter and a yard are pretty close. Yeah. So about 100 square yards. That's, 100 square yeah. meters, so it's 8 meters by uh, 12 meters. And we're lucky because Pretty the Japanese big. gardener next to us wanted to go up. So as we're digging down, he wanted to go up, so he oh, took perfect. all of our uh, Your fill. fill. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Clean fill wanted here. Yes, yeah. exactly. Cut and fill, exactly. So, okay, so that's pretty exciting. And, um, uh, okay, what else was I going to ask you guys? Oh, we had the report on the silvers. Any other metals? Oh, but, well, no, you know what I wanted to know is, Okay, I know you're the designers, and Alex, you referred to we dug down five feet. So were you guys actually digging, or have you got help, or do you bring help? How do you, how do you actually do this construction in Japan? We have an implementing partner, so we also have a, a translator, a very good translator. So we have to work with the translator and our implementation partner to do this. And so they send anywhere from three guys to a dozen guys to do this work. And so Robert's been here for almost two weeks going to nurseries and trying to work with the partner. But it's it's challenging because you're not speaking directly to them. Right. And the phrase lost in translation definitely applies <laughs> because, you know, it can be the land of no sometimes, but they don't want to say no. So instead, they may not answer the question or they might evade the question. And at the same time, you know, they're on a fixed budget to build this garden, and uh, things are expensive here in Japan, so you don't want to push too hard. So it's really a delicate balance to try to get what you want, but yeah. at the same time to be reasonable. And, and sometimes okay. sometimes they're not even asking. Sometimes really what they, what they want to be doing is telling you what they're going to use. But they ask you because they're so polite. Yeah. But then when I actually go to comment, they're like, no, that's all we have. And it's like, okay, then, just put it in. You know, right? Yeah. Or, or we just have to kind of accept it. Yeah, and, why are you asking me? Yeah, that's right. So, so that happens often. Uh, so yeah. a lot of work, we, we did um, this, uh, like a lot of 3D models and drawings to send over to uh, the contractor. And so they actually really do quite well with that and, mm. and uh, pretty much produce what we've drawn. Cool. So that must, and so you're learning a lot, not only about, uh, you know, international competition, but also the cultural challenges of building all over the world. You guys have been quite the world travelers with your garden installations. Yeah, especially over the last, what, only four years, years, five years, we've been to uh, Singapore twice and now Japan twice. Well, that's great. Good for you. So any other last, when are you coming home? Uh, Well, Tuesday. If Tuesday, if the typhoon is yeah. less than a super typhoon, yeah. you might arrive before then. Otherwise, it's movie night. Yeah, weatherman there is going to watch. The, he's got his app. He's going to keep on top of that and look after that. And of course, the show is still on for a number of days, right? A month, really. It goes to the 5th of uh, November. Oh, there you go. So anybody, any of our listeners who are anywhere in the Nagasaki area, right up until early November, can swing through and see these gardens. Right, And, of course, they'll be maintained. They're still going to look amazing for a month, other than the typhoons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah the, the um, implementing partner, the, the contracted team, has to have a representative on site every day mm-hmm. to um, look after the garden, water it, uh, pick up any, uh, you know, 
um, just clean up the leaves and, and make sure it's looking as, as best as it can at all times. Um, and as well, um, also represent his, his, uh, his construction team. Cool. Well, Excellent. If any questions come up. Yeah. So, Charlie, let me ask you, what's it going to take to get a show like this in Toronto? Oh, good oh, question. Yeah. A lot of money. A big sponsor. So it always comes down to money, right? Because the, the great, ins- I mean, tonight, you, you guys are missing this because tonight in Toronto is Nuit Blanche. Brought to you mm-hmm. by the Bank of Nova yeah, Scotia, Scotia, or Scotia Bank. Yeah. Right? How many millions do they pop into that? And that costs a lot of money. So that, it's always money, guys. Anyway. Yeah. If you know anybody yeah, influential and rich, start there. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's uh, talk about that when you get back. Because, you know, we could knock on some doors. But, yeah, you, you know what? That's what so often it is. It, yeah. it does come down to cash. But, well, thank you again for joining us. C- big congratulations from all of us. And let's speak Thanks. when you're back in Toronto. And we'll, like I say, let's talk about some ideas for some cool shows here. I will next time say, Genichiwa. But today <laughs> I say, Sayonara. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Frank. Okay, you're welcome. Bye, Bye Charlie. Bye, Charlie. Bye, guys. Thanks, Lorraine. Oh, that was fun. That Gee was fun. Whiz. And yeah. that was actually a pretty good connection, too. Actually, so it was, yes. Thank Skype. you very much for Skype, for allowing that to happen. Who knew? And who knew you were so multilingual? Well, those are the only <laughs> words that I know. Well, don't you know origami? You forgot oh, that one. Wait a minute. Egg roll. Oh, there you are. <laughs> there you are. Egg for okay. young. No, no, that's But right. you know what? We, we do have uh, time to take a, a call right let's. now. So let's go on to our caller Ross. who has been uh, callers, should I say. Ross from Coburg, patiently waiting online there. Uh, good morning, Ross. Welcome to the show. Oh, good morning. Thank you. Good morning. Thanks for waiting. Um, yeah, I have a problem mm-hmm. with what's called a dwarf burning bush. Mm-hmm. Uh, Euonymus. Alata. Alata's Nanus. Yep. I looked it up while I was waiting. <laughs> Excellent. Good to know. Anyway, I used to live in Ajax, mm-hmm. and I planted two there. And I cut them down after about 15 years because they never turned red. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I moved to Coburg, and there's one in the yard here, uh-huh. and it's doing the same thing. It's turning that reddy brown. Oh, it's not turning bright, bright red. Yeah, a little flaming red. Yeah. That's well, that's... I'm looking for, but I've never been able to achieve it. Why? They're called burning bushes. They're supposed to burn. Yeah. Uh, okay, so... It's more like smoldering. Yeah. And how much sun would you say that, that bush is getting during the season? Well, get lots of sun. Lots of sun, eh? And still not burning. Hmm. Usually when I see burning bush doing that like smolder color as opposed to the bright, bright pink red color, it's, it's because there's a fair amount of shade on them. Usually if they're in enough sun, they will get uh, – and we are just starting to get the color now. I mean, yeah. days are shortening. We've had some cool nights in September, and now as we head into October – you know, those cooler nights are making a difference in terms of the fall color. As I was driving down the Don Valley Parkway today, there's quite a lot of nice orange starting to pop along the, the parkway. So, yes, the burning bushes are starting to show up here as well, and yet yours isn't burning. How about fertilizer? Tell me about the fertilizer you do use. Uh, I haven't done any. Okay. And the plant is healthy otherwise? Oh, yeah. It's a big bushy thing. 
big bushy thing. Those are great trees tall. This has got to be at least four, four and a half feet, maybe five. Well, the irony of a dwarf burning bush is that it's not really a dwarf plant. No. <laughs> the difference between a dwarf burning bush and a regular burning bush is that the leaves are slightly smaller and the growth is more compact. Uh, but either of them can, frankly, get up to eight to ten feet tall and wide. Uh-huh. So they can become very large bushes. Fairly uh, well, wide, too. It's about five or six feet wide. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, okay, I'm just, have you ever done any pruning on it at all, or you've just let it do its thing? No, I just, like I said, I just moved in here last, late last fall, actually. Oh, so this is your first fall. Yeah. Okay, my suggestion is next spring, uh, you consider some pruning. <clears throat> some severe. selective, pardon? Severe? No, I wouldn't go too severe. I would selectively prune the plant. Envision the size that you want it to ultimately become. Some people give it a haircut so it becomes almost like a ball-shaped plant. And its natural growth is fairly wide and, and low. It's, it's the opposite of, say, a, a lilac, which is a, a vase-shaped plant. This is kind of a round, ball-shaped plant naturally. So I would give it a, like almost a shearing or a pruning in the spring, which is going to encourage a whole bunch of new growth. And then let me know next fall what happens. Also, I would make sure it's got – give it some top dressing with some compost next spring as well. And just ensure that you've got, you know, good proper nutrition going on in there. And let's talk next fall. I think it could be something that can be solved with some little pruning and some proper top dressing. I hope so. Like I say, for 15 years I've waited for the other one. <laughs> I, I really prune them. I wouldn't have given it 15 years, you know. I give well, plants I, about three years. I give nothing else. <laughs> You're too nice. A stalwart gardener boy. <laughs> That's great, Ross. All right. Well, thanks for your call. Stupid, I think. <laughs> well, we always say patience is one of the arts of gardening, and you clearly have a lot of it, so good for you. Thanks, Ross, and good luck with that. Let us know how next fall how it works out. Okay, thank you. Okay. Thank, thank you. Thank you very much. Now, I know in a moment or so, we're going to have the wind chimes in action because a first-time caller is waiting to talk to us from Harley, Ontario. And I've got to admit, I don't know where Harley is, so maybe Sylvia, when she joins us, will kind of give us a fix on where she's calling from. Meantime, we have a few messages for you here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoom Radio, AM 740. And Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden, saying hi to Sylvia in Harley. Uh, exactly where is Harley, Sylvia? It's in between Brantford and Woodstock. Oh, okay. Lovely. Nice all right. Spot. And welcome to the show. Thank you. Oh, and there are your wind chimes. Just welcome you. You have wings. <laughs> all right. What's your problem there? I have a double rose of Sharon that I accidentally cut a piece off that was dead, but unfortunately it was alive, and I stuck it in some rooting hormones, and it's in a pot. Now, can I stick it in the ground now, or do I wait till spring? Either. 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 And actually, in a sense, now would be better. That's what I thought. The soil is nice and warm right now, which is very encouraging for root growth. Mm -hmm. We always in Canada tend to think that spring is the time to plant things and transplant things. (laughs) But the ground is very cold and it's also super soggy typically in the spring, which is not, doesn't bode well for new growth. Mm -hmm. Right now, the soil is so perfect. It's a lovely temperature. There's moisture, but not too much. And you plant something and those roots start to grow right away. So I'm assuming that you did get some roots on your Rose of Sharon cutting. 
Yes, I did. Yep. If it's you know, double, it's a double one, and they're lovely. hard to receive. They don't really seed themselves down. No, they don't typically. Exactly, they don't drop seeds and grow no. plants the way the singles do. No. So if you've got a spot in mind, and you you know lots of sun, uh, plant is going to get six or eight feet or more tall, mm-hmm. and not super wide but tall. Uh, you've got a spot in mind, and you can plant it now. I would. So I can stick it at any time. Yep. Yeah, well, the, shouldn't say any time. Your optimal time is be, between now and sort of mid-October. Yeah. After mid-October, it's getting a bit late because yeah. the, the temperature is starting to drop, the soil temperature is starting to drop, and things slow down in, in yeah. their ability to actually get some roots out. It's got lots of nice leaves on it. Nice. And remember, a little bit of bone meal or mm-hmm. transplant or fertilizer is a great idea. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay, thank Wonderful. you very much. And thanks, thanks for, for joining us on the show, first timer. Hey, mm-hmm. and you know something? Here comes another first time caller nice. from Oshawa this time. Avis, welcome to the show. Here are the wind chimes. Hello. There we Good are. Good morning. On, yes. Good morning. Hi, Avis. Hi. My call is about lilacs. Mm-hmm. Um, do, does pruning encourage flowering? And if so, when to prune? I purchased this property this year and. I didn't get many flowers, but the bush is pretty big. It's I'm trying to guess maybe 12 feet high, and it's probably 10 feet oh, yeah. wide, the, the drape of it. Right. Yeah, so it sounds like it's probably what started as a common lilac, and now it has suckered and spread, and it becomes a, a wall, and they're lovely. Now, it's a great question. Will... Will pruning encourage flowers? Number one, what will encourage flowering on any lilac and generally in any flowering shrub is pruning the plant right after it flowers. So by doing that, we remove the dead flowers. And so energy does not go into seed formation. Instead, energy goes into new growth and new flower buds for the next season. If we leave the old flowers on, like many people do, they end up with seeds being formed. Of course, the seeds drop to the ground. We end up with more lilacs, but not a lot more flowers in the future. So the time to prune any flowering plant is right after it flowers. So, of course, in the case of a lilac, it could be May, it could be June, depending on how the season turns out. Uh, And at that point, you want to prune for shape and for health, and to remove all spent flowers. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks, Davis. And I believe we're on to our final caller of the morning. And this is Uh, one of our regular callers, remember? From way up up in White River. It's snowing right now. (laughs) Rick will tell us. Yeah, maybe we'll find out. Hi, Rick. Yes, good morning. Good morning. Is there ice on the river? It's terrible. (laughs) How terrible? Well, we had snow two weeks ago. Oh, no kidding. Uh, but it probably melted, right? It did, but it, and then we had that beautiful summer weather for a few days. Yeah, yep. we did too. And uh, now we're looking at snow probably this week. It's yeah. Oh. Here right now. Yeah, we're getting a lot of rain, so you're probably getting a lot of wet snow. Oh, it was terrible for two days. Oh. But uh, in the, the spring, I, I threw some foxglove in it, mm-hmm. some pots, mm-hmm. and uh, they managed to make it through the summer, and they're nice. just beautiful. But uh, they're biannuals, right? They are. There are some perennials, but generally they're biennials. Well, I'm just wondering if I should bury the pots or take the take the out of the pots and, and bury them in the ground or what? Okay, so they're in pots now. Yeah. Okay, well, you definitely want to at least bury the pots. Yes, I would definitely do that. You definitely don't want to leave them above ground. They'll never survive. Right. What I would do, um, well, do you know where you would you would plant them if you had a permanent, like, do you have a permanent spot for, for them to grow? Well, I, maybe on the south side of the house, mm-hmm. 
probably be best to keep away from that north north wind. Well, that's right. It's a little warmer on that side for sure. And they do want at least a half day of sun and a fairly fertile soil. So, I mean, if you can take them out of the pots and put them in the ground, I would do so. Uh, remember when we do planting, and in your case, of course, you're ahead of us in terms of the season. So to do any planting for you, your soil has already started to cool down quite a bit. So the thing to watch for is as the ground freezes, newly planted plants who haven't had a chance to get their roots out and really grab onto the earth can often get forced up out of the ground so that in late winter, early spring, when you're walking around and the snow is starting to melt and you're starting to see the earth below, double check that those pots or those root balls have not been forced up out of the, out of the soil. So for now, I would get them in the ground. I would hill them. I would treat them like we would treat a tender rose down here. Get them in the ground, water them thoroughly, little bone meal when you're planting, and then, you know, give them a, depending on sort of what's going on the next 48 hours, if it's reasonably nice weather, leave them alone and then put a hill on top but if it's just going straight into super cold then just plant and and hill immediately yeah do you think if i put a bunch of uh, leaves and stuff yep. on top of things like that leaves are great yeah. leaves trap air and when it comes to uh mulching for the purposes of protection it's all about the insulation that that air can provide which is you know it's as good as soil or better right so, yeah, if you've got leaves, uh, you know, dried leaves, you don't want – but put little stakes in the ground or something so you know exactly where they are So because you don't want, like, that wet mass of leaves to just sit there in the spring. Right. You'll want to move that away so that either seeds can grow or the, the mother plants can come up. Well, my little chipmunks remind me where everything is. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> they and, are handy. And, and Rick, I, I hate to tell you this. Got to run. Uh, but no, no, not exactly. Well, there's but that too. Yeah. I'm just looking out the window here at Liberty <laughs> Village here in Toronto, and the sun is shining. We've got a beautiful blue sky with big, fluffy white clouds. And you up there in White River, it's an entirely different story, right? Well, it's trying to break out, but it's, it's yeah. and I stuck up, you know, it was so in that nice weather, I put my plants back out, all my hibiscus, and they all got frozen. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Well, have a, have a good week until, or until we talk to you next week, and undoubtedly we will. Yes. Hey. Thanks for your call, Rick. God bless. Take care. You okay. Too. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. And, gee, that just about puts the wraps on things, Charlie, that so does. I'm turning it back over to you. Well, thank you very much. That's just been a pretty interesting show. Yeah. We have traveled the world. Indeed. Many climactic uh, gardening zones, I might point out. And so thank you very much. Nice to have you back, Frank. Uh, thank you very much, and, Charlie. Uh, yeah, you're looking Justin, good. Justin, great job. Thank Justin's you. Justin's done a fine job. And James Patrick Dooley has been very good support as well. Um, thanks to all our great callers. Couldn't have this much fun without all of you. So we'll see you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.